0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg and today I'm delighted to welcome an accomplished professional uh, from the UAE, Mr. Brendan McKittrick. Brendan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ashutosh and thanks for having me on your prestigious
0: show. Thank you. Uh, Brendan is the chairman of the board of Aerobrand. He's the chairman of HBAN Dubai and he's a member of the Irish Business Network. So Brendan, let's first talk about Aeroband. What did you do? So
1: Aeroband is my little um, favorite child business at the moment um, I started my life in a lot of big projects after I came from college then I went into entrepreneurship where I set up my own businesses
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I guess the wheel has gone full circle because I've gone through some of the biggest companies in the world at sea level and now I've gone back to my roots to set up a brand new enterprise in mm-hmm. aviation mm-hmm. and uh, the timing the timing's actually been incredible so like everything when you follow your heart everything falls into place. Correct. <clears throat> And what we've done is we've looked at aviation, which is an area I have a lot of expertise in. Mm-hmm. And we've decided that a lot of the systems which date back to the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. are very dated and very in agile. So what we've decided to do is to rewrite some of the core systems using things like blockchain, distributed ledger, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, but getting an outcome which is much more compatible with today's fast-moving Thank
0: environment. You. Fascinating. So before this, you were the CIO uh, slash CTO of Accelia, which, uh, you know, when I was reading about you is processing business worth uh, a quarter of a trillion dollars, $250 billion a year. What was your motivation to give up all this and start off on your own? Um, Again,
1: it it wasn't a decision of the head, I can tell you. um, and with five beautiful children, most of them wanting to spend as much time as possible in college, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't driven by any of the sort of financial gains you can make working at that level. Right. But what drove me was to make a difference. I really want to, you know, to say I've lived a career, I've worked a career where I made decisions. I took the, the, the road less traveled. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, 250 billion worth of tickets going through a system, uh, which is 30 years old, looking at that same thing. There's an easier way to do this, right? We've got these massive global settlement systems. And before now, it was all an issue of trust. So we always had this intermediary, Mm -hmm. whether it was the financial system, the health system, whoever, there's always an intermediary that brokers all of these transactions. And we need that. And and they've served a good purpose. But now with the likes of distributed ledger technologies, Mm -hmm. that's automated. That's in the middle. You and I can now transact Mm peer-to-peer. We can send each other money digital money Mm -hmm. we can sign smart contracts Mm -hmm. which are both binding on you and me and there's absolutely no middleman so I I wanted to bring that paradigm to aviation and say how could we transform aviation for example in loyalty we all know the loyalty systems don't talk to each other Mm -hmm. and they're very hard to sort of stock up on things and then they're not very liquid you know there's only certain things you can spend Mm -hmm. them on Whereas we were saying, why don't we have a digital wallet where you can send a token which represents value to that airline? And indeed, that the token could represent value in the entire airline. So, you know, you're sitting at the gate, your flight is cancelled, next thing, ding, ding on your phone, into your digital wallet comes compensation tokens because your flight is just been cancelled. Mm-hmm. And you can use them to book a hotel, uh, go for some food, mm-hmm. book another flight, or go to the ATM and cash them out. That would be the vision around that. Then in cargo, you you know, everybody has the the age old problem. Where's my cargo? Where's my stuff? And it's a common, common challenge is track and trace. And some of the biggest airlines i worked with Mm. still have that challenge. So what we need is a global digital commons where we can all collaborate together and preserve privacy. And at the same time, give the customer the best experience where they can see where their, their things are. Uh, One of the things we have done, one of the first things we've done is a smart contract for airports, Mm -hmm. which although we have all the charges built in at the back, Mm -hmm. we've only disclosed the the landing charges. So what we do is we allow an airport Mm -hmm. to put their landing charges into a smart contract so that stops uh, revenue leakage. It stops disputes. And it also gives transparency to the airline and the airport at the same time on this common digital
0: commons where they can both lock up their status between each other. So that's very exciting. So there's lots of little things like that, we're starting to chip away. At. It's just absolutely fascinating. I mean, I wish I'd, uh, you know, you, this whole, this technology had been launched many, many years ago when I was traveling 20 days a month. But but I sincerely hope you'll go to Heathrow, uh, you know, an airport close to you where I must have lost my bag at least a dozen times. Right. <laughs> that's another story. So moving on, uh, Brendan, uh, from a large organization like Accelia to a startup like Aeroband, what have been some of your challenges as you have built this business?
1: Well, when you move from having three secretaries to doing everything yourself, that's a tough one, you got to get up yeah, in the absolutely right. but all the administration, you know, but I'm not I'm not precious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenges would be building the right team and mm-hmm. um, whilst it's a challenge, I already know who I want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, getting the same attention in the rooms because when you're running the global settlement system you can walk into most rooms and people Ooh. will you know, have time to listen to you so i kind of figured out who are the closest people in the industry who believe in me as a person mm-hmm. and that was an enlightening experience because the folks who came up to me and backed me financially not knowing my business plan just saying i'd like to financially go uh, back you brand because we, we know you're a man of your word and we know that you're going to achieve something interesting right. Right.
2: that was
1: that was very uh empowering I have to say I was very flattered yeah. including some ex-CEOs that I worked for mm. um, and again back to the challenges I suppose the biggest shift for us in, we started in 2019 and we won the fintech of the year startup in Malta yeah. uh, very honored to win it against some really good competition and we rolled into 2020 very optimistic you know we've got this thing. but we did find there was a great resistance in the aviation industry to just to shift, to do things differently, even if they're, you know, once they're not too broken, right. it kind of has that mindset, look, we're break-even, we're mm-hmm. happy with that. It's a very low level, very low standard of expectation in aviation. For example, mm-hmm. I gave a presentation in 2019 and I declared that, you know, it's, it's a $900 billion industry, mm-hmm. and of which was about $28 billion in profits, which worked mm-hmm. out at 3% or 3.5%. Right. And the actual average ticket, I I, I it was it was I was when I saw it first the value, I had to check it a few times of saying mm-hmm. this is over in So I, I mentioned at one of my presentations that airlines are not very smart.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was challenged afterwards by a C level chap from an airline who said, I didn't like that comment. It's not very fair. And I said, I'm coming from the industry, I say it respectfully. Mm-hmm. He said, Give me one example where we're not smart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, Well, first of all, I know who you are and I know your airline. I flew in on your airline. Mm-hmm. And because I ran the revenue accounting systems for most airlines in the world in my previous job, I knew the revenue and the profit uh, you know, sort of levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to him, I flew in on your aircraft, to this conference, this airport, I then took a taxi to the hotel. Mm-hmm. The taxi man made more money on me than you did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he went, wow, not very smart. And I <laughs> said, no, this is the point. I'm not criticizing the airlines for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is there's a lot of money lost from the point of, you know, sale all the way to the point of collection. There's so many middlemen that, that the money gets eaten down to. So the actual profit is $6 per ticket
2: wow. then.
1: $6 on on, on, a, on, a, on an $800 billion industry. Wow. So, you know, something is fundamentally wrong. And I predicted that the margin, the 3.5% was getting further compressed hmm. and would go to zero in 2020. Little did I know it went minus no, 97% on a year on year. So it really got impacted. But what it did do to to your question about the challenge of the mindset, it shifted the mindset to how do we restart an industry that's effectively dead? Mm -hmm. And how do we reduce costs now that we're in the downtime? You know, letting people go, stopping aircraft flying is fine, but you've got to change the model so that it's much more efficient. So that's where we came into the conversation around, you know, distributed ledger AI type things, you know?
0: Interesting. And you know, you did speak about uh, artificial intelligence and blockchain, uh, managing uh, a lot of the challenges that are faced by airports and airlines. Uh, would you like to give me some examples of where you've really implemented this?
1: So we're, we're an early stage company. So we've only released our first product and we're talking to some partners who would have a large body of air- airports on mm-hmm. the books. So what we're targeting is one or two airports mm-hmm. who are willing to try out new technology. So we're very at the very early stages. Okay. So you, you heard it here first, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't actually announced the smart contract publicly because we want to tailor it to suit the needs and you know to trial it maybe over six months. So we're going to take our time. We're in no rush, but we want to do it right. And you know there's, not, there's only one first time, and that's mm-hmm. that's really important. So we're targeting a very big airport in the Asia region, not too far from me. Mm -hmm. And we're targeting a very big airport in North America for starters, and maybe one in Europe. We're looking for three, but we've got two on the radar. So what we're going to do with them is say, let's run this in parallel to your traditional system. Mm -hmm. And let's see how much revenue leakage this saves you. Mm -hmm. Because these airports do auditing on their charges as well. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And number two is the whole experience. What we want to do is to have a turnaround an automated turnaround for an aircraft. So, so many charges that could be applied to an aircraft. I think there's 130 wow. of which probably about 60 constitute 90% of the, the, the amount of revenue. Mm. So we're gonna sort of crawl away up that list and make this an automated turnaround for an aircraft
2: mm. and
1: to handle all the exceptions. So what we have is business rules and we have expression drivers. And the folks who are doing this, we have a small team in Malta and they're 20 years building cost management systems for uh, aviation. So they they're super experts and it's nice to work with experts as I mentioned before getting really good people. Mm. So one of those guys in the room, the architect, I just sit back and I just learn. You know, in my area is more to cargo and revenue, but they're they're experts on the cost side. So that cost contract plays into our bigger plan. Mm. And our bigger plan is to build core systems like revenue accounting. Yeah. So Revenue accounting is the only system that gives the CFO his flown revenue, not Mm. how many people booked, not how much revenue is is expected, Mm. but how much revenue did you collect on that flight when you close that door? Mm. And it allows for things like taxation, you know, the charges in countries and all of that. And when you have all that revenue figured out, you bring back your smart contract. Now you have the revenue and the cost. So you have true profit management. And that's really our our golden target is the profit management for the CFO. So he can see all this on the dashboard.
0: Incredible. So I'm now going to move to uh, your uh, other interest, which is uh, the Halo Business Angel Network, you're the chairman Mm -hmm. of HBAN. In Dubai. Tell me a little bit in Dubai. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me about the kind of work you do at this network.
1: Yeah, so this is fascinating. This is a passion. This is just a formalization of what I've always mm-hmm. done in my spare time. Uh, yeah, ask my wife, is there such a thing as spare time?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so people have come to me over the years. Obviously, I had companies back in the day, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I sold those. Um, then went back into the corporate world and not, I worked in the Royal Flight of Oman, which was absolutely my passion personified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had similar jobs like that. I built some national security systems right. for some countries in the Middle East. So all of that was great. It was enterprise level, uh, you know, big teams, big budgets. And always people would come to me and say, I'm starting off with a new idea. And I would just give as much time as I could because I really enjoy that. So the Halo business, so basically that's the um, it's a, it's a it's an angel network. Uh, the Halo Business Angel Network, HBAN is the, the short name. Right. It was founded in Ireland and driven by the Irish government. Mm-hmm. So Enterprise Ireland, who you may or may not have heard of, mm-hmm. is the biggest seed investor in the world. Wow. Out of a small country like Ireland, which is shocking because I hadn't realized that, but it's mm-hmm. a huge credit to them. And I did have some interactions with them in the 1980s when I was finishing college. Mm -hmm. We got backed on some little projects that, you know, helped us build those businesses. And Mm -hmm. I'll be forever thankful to to them for that. Mm -hmm. What they do now is they take a small part of equity in the high potential companies. Mm -hmm. But then they have an accelerator program, which is complemented by an angel network, which is folks that say, show us the best companies coming through the pipe. Mm -hmm. You know, we might throw anything as small as $25,000, up to half a million, And, you know, it it is an element of speculation because the companies are not fully formed, Mm -hmm. but they are revenue generating their their hot property, let's say. So I run the Dubai chapter of that, which really says, show us the top, of the top so these are all the top companies but shave off maybe two or three of those every quarter mm-hmm. so that I can get the right people in the room and they know they're going to get a really good showing of top companies mm-hmm. and that that's essentially the key uh, ingredient in the Dubai version mm-hmm. and uh, so far it's been good it's been a slow build because everyone in the room has got to be the right person maybe. and uh, we've built a small cadre of folks it's still st- still in single digits
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, probably get to double digits by the end of the year and then we'll sort of see where it goes from there Interesting, and what do you look for before you decide to refer a potential uh, investee to your network? So, investee or investor? No, if I'm I'm looking for money, right? Come to HBN and then you must be referring it to a lot of (coughs) angels.
1: So there's a pipeline. There's a there's a well defined pathway, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A, they're 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 backed by the Irish government through Enterprise Ireland, and they're probably Mm -hmm. on the the High Potential Accelerator um, Program, and they feed into the H-Band who say, give us the best who are looking for money and we'll match mm-hmm. them with folks who have money. Then my template or on top of that is to say, just pick the top two or three in that quarter okay. who are looking for cash. We'll probably get the cash with or without us. Mm-hmm. I like that because that means they're going to succeed anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we can put them in front of some really good guys here who may help them come into the region as well and help them mm. springboard out of Europe or out of Ireland or wherever they're operating. Mm. There's a tendency in Ireland to look towards US and UK. Now with Brexit the UK is a little bit more trickier than it used to be. Mm-hmm. The US is still a hot spot for Ireland but it's a, it's a big sell and a big distance and mm-hmm. it generally means moving your HQ to a different time zone. Right. Europe is uh, attractive but linguistically challenging, you know, you're going to be up against French companies in France and Spanish oh. companies in Spain. Unless you're really, really, really good and somewhat unique, that's going to be challenging because then you need a local presence. You need folks who speak the local language and understand the culture. That's mm-hmm. an essential, and that's and that's for anywhere. But with the Middle East, you have such a melting pot of folks here. The you know lingua franca is English. Everybody speaks English to mm-hmm. a high degree, so you can land in here with a really you know wheel spinning before you touch the ground type landing mm-hmm. model. And the folks here who are investing in you could probably make a phone
0: call and open a few doors as well. Interesting and at what stage do you look for an exit? How long is your appetite for investment? Um, it varies a lot I have to say because the way the h is
1: structured, there, there's, there's obviously hard-nosed business um, you know, uh, criteria being applied by the investors there's also the sentimental value I, I've picked up very quickly because it's almost like I'm helping a business from my own hometown. And there's been a trend of folks saying there's little small h band chapters in the west of Ireland, in, in small rural areas. Mm-hmm. And there's even the possibility of a unicorn coming from one of these, right? So you have folks sort of going in saying, show me the best in that in that sector, in that region, like Heltec. Now you have a place like Galway in the west of Ireland. And Galway is a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Um, when we say city, we don't mean city by, you know, Indian standards. or. Indian. No, no, I, I've been there. I've been there. Okay, fantastic. But mm. Gove has become maybe the global uh, center of medtech. Wow. It mm. produces the most medical uh, devices in the world now. Uh, again, some of that is American companies and local companies. But what happens is the multinational comes in. Folks come out of college, they go through the system, and of course, they have an appetite for creating something, they see an opportunity. Right. The entrepreneurial ones sort of peel off at different stages, mm-hmm. and they create really, really powerful companies in those niches. But there's a great symbiotic relationship with the parent company that they left who says, hey, if you're leaving us, we'll invest a few quid in you as well, because we really believe in you as a guy, but we're not going to stop you on your you know, trajectory to your personal passion and your personal growth. So there's all this synergy and that's facilitated a lot by Enterprise Ireland,
2: mm. who
1: frankly are doing a fantastic job of greasing those wheels to turn and keeping that connectivity. So h is another spin-off of those mechanics. It's backed by Enterprise Ireland.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: Enterprise Ireland who approached me to help with the h chapter here locally. So it's, 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 a, it's an ecosystem that's ever-growing and it's quite powerful. So the question of the exit is, is somewhat sentimental as well, I've noticed um, obviously people are saying I'm putting in a few quid there's an element of speculation but they would like to see you know, within a three year explosion of, of business and value mm-hmm. and maybe an acquisition so there's been a track record of uh, about 300 million gone in and the return has been quite mm-hmm. I, I, off the top of my head I don't know the return but it's been quite attractive mm-hmm. it's one of the selling points it's been very very high so there's kind of that three year expectation that the most successful companies will be flipped over or
0: acquired very interesting. So I uh, Brendan, I have time for one or maybe two questions now. Oh, uh, I wanted to ask you again relating to H-Ban, Uh you must be talking to many many startup entrepreneurs who are looking for funding. What in your opinion are some of the challenges you have seen startup entrepreneurs face? Uh,
2: I
1: love that question because I've been on both sides right and
0: I agree. <laughs> You understand? So oh,
1: I've been, I've been the startup entrepreneur. I've been in the multinational. I've also been on the acquiring side. So in my previous role, mm-hmm. I did some technical due diligence on acquisitions, and the acquisitions we had went from twenty million to six hundred and fifty million, right? Mm-hmm. So different sized corporations, completely different metrics. So the metrics and the conversation in the room. Mm-hmm. Now we did interview some companies that we didn't acquire, mm-hmm. and maybe if I spoke about them, mm-hmm. and they were sort of folks where I said, "Look, guys." 20 years ago, I walked into Air France Mm -hmm. and we had an innovation in aviation, which was radical, right? So I walked in thinking, hey, we're going to change the world. Air France, CTO, um, this is going to be an amazing meeting. So I was just short of being lifted out of the room in a straitjacket, being told I was absolutely crazy because we developed a bridge between the legacy systems from the Mm -hmm. 1960s, the TPF systems, and an Oracle live database. So we had live availability, which meant our booking engine didn't need to go to the mainframe. It used mm-hmm. this uh, numerical availability it's called NAVS. Right. And it was able to say how many seats were available and book those seats without booking on the mainframe to get the price. Because traditionally, you have to book the mainframe to get the price of the ticket. So what happened was you had this look to book ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and this look-to-book ratio meant the amount of people looking versus people booking. So the lookers were costing you money, and the bookers were making you money. Mm-hmm. And if it was hundred to one, you'd have, you know, a hundred people wasting your time—not wasting your time, but with, but consuming energy and power and, and causing. It. So we we overcame that, and I thought this is brilliant. Walked in the room. Long story short, I also said we could do probably do self-check-in. Folks could check themselves in. And that was like, are you crazy? You know, and Air France didn't say anything different to any other airline. All the airlines would have said the same at the same Mm. time. Why? Because they have a certain approach to technology that I've learned over the years. And there's a reason for it because it's a highly safe environment where you don't make changes unless necessary. And a lot of CEOs come from the pilot background who are safety driven safety driven so it's not a it's not a fault of the system it's just a, it's a cautiousness that you need to be aware of so a lot of companies came into me and said we've got this great app you can you know buy upgrade the business in the lounge and you can do this and you can do that and on board you can do it. and I'm saying great how do you talk to the legacy systems mm-hmm. those 1960s and they go oh, we, I'm sure there's an API and I say mm-hmm. no you might be on the phone talking to people some mm-hmm. of the bridges you know would be voice caps but having APIs is sort of an assumption of startups. So one of the biggest challenges for startups is you've got to be backward compatible for mm. most of time. You've got to be able to talk to the legacy systems or rewrite them. Mm-hmm. And I don't suggest you rewrite them. That's what we're doing. We're rewriting it. And um, Because of that challenge, I've seen so many times, and I've lived through it, mm. I, I'm creating a new core system that these new guys coming in with great stuff, way beyond what, what, what I can even imagine. They're going to talk into my ecosystem called Aeroblock. Mm -hmm. So instead of six months to 12 months of development, I'm going to my my target in my mind is literally build me a a working product in two weeks. Mm -hmm. But do it in my Aeroblock sandbox, Mm -hmm. connecting to live feeds of all the information you need, whether it's taxation as a service, proration as a service, Mm -hmm. live location of aircraft, you know, city codes, airport codes, whatever it is. All Mm that will be in your ecosystem so that you can show me a product that now talks to the legacy system through our interface. And you can accelerate it. We'll back you. We're going to launch a coin. So we have a fund. We'll back them with a digital fund. Mm -hmm. And those folks would then go and own their IP because I want them to succeed. I don't want to take all the apples from the orchard. I -hmm. want those guys to come into the ecosystem, be super successful. Mm -hmm. And if they can write applications better than me, Then they'll thrive in the system better than I will. That's that's how open it is. So the the Aero Block sort of substrate mm-hmm. is the digital commons we're handing back to the industry to be governed by you know some ex CEO of a big airline with a governance, mm-hmm. and that will become that will be owned by the, in the industry itself, not by us. Our IP lies in Aero Labs where we build the solutions and deploy on the Aero Block, but the Aero Block we hand back, and the Aero Block will fund itself through transaction. A very
0: thin transaction slice. Wow, uh, Brendan. On that note, uh, we have to end. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Absolute thank pleasure you from for me. Uh, thank you for talking to me about your journey from Accelia to Aeroband, and uh, you know all the great work that you're wanting to do with Aeroband. Uh, as I said, I wish you had started this twenty years ago uh, when I was traveling so much. Yeah. But uh, good luck with your uh, startup and all the very best.
1: Thank you Ashok Thank you. and if you're ever in Dubai, give us a shout, we go for a cup of coffee. I know you're a man of tremendous achievement yourself and I know you'll probably be very modest about it. I saw your aerospace role with uh, Lockheed Martin and Hughes in, in Asia the head and also the head of um, British Tobacco mm-hmm. and YPO for 27 years and many, many books to your name. So if you do come this far, we're having a
0: cup of coffee and you're going to tell me your story. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Brand Called
2: You.